0: Ready to cut through the BS? And here's some ways to drive your business forward today. Yeah. Welcome, welcome to Biz Sprints Podcast with your host, know the name Michael name. McMillan. Check it out. Hello everybody and welcome back to another week of Biz Sprints. This is Michael McMillan and thank you so much for coming back for another week. This week we are going to be talking to you specifically about how to ensure your business is set up for success, and what are some of the early warning symbols that you should be looking out for in case your business is not set up for success and potentially heading down that dangerous path of potentially not being low anymore. So this week is going to be an important week. Um, really, we're going to be digging into some very specific topics on that I work with so many entrepreneurs on. Um, these are the topics that you know, when I walk into a new business and I'm starting to do uh, some advisory work, these are early warning symbols that I look for to really be able to tell the you know the founders and/or the leaders of the organization, you know, what their health of the organization is going to look like and really kind of get them prepared for what we're about to start facing together. So to kick it off with, one of the first things I wanted to talk through on is one of the far and most hard topics to deal with, um, when we're talking about organizations who have emerged from startup status and kind of getting into that small or maybe even medium business, uh, atmosphere, which is founders becoming leaders in their business. This is a very tricky world. Um, for founders, you know, when, when we found a, when we found a business, right. And I've, I've done a few myself. So when I founded my business, you know, you're everything, you're everything to everyone, and you just do it all. Sales, marketing, operations, finance, it doesn't matter. Whatever the hat is, you put it on, and you run with it as much as you need to. When we start to scale our business, we start to bring on employees, and many times we start shedding some of those things that we weren't maybe just as good at, or maybe things that we just needed more resource to do, or whatever. But we immediately now have to start taking this new role, which is we are starting to transition now from this founder who did it all and did as best as we could to this leader, CEO, president, whatever title you're going to hold in your organization. And, and ultimately, you're the ultimate manager, right? You are now running your organization. And for many founders that I work with, this is such a hard transition for them. Um, This week, actually, I found an article in Entrepreneur Magazine, um, and the article is actually speaking specifically about this. This is what it's like to transition from founder to CEO, uh, written by Adina uh, Grigor. I'm sorry, I know I'm totally butchering your last name. I will have a link here uh, for this article so you can read through this. But she highlights some very specific points, which I, I think is so critical, right? So four of her primary points are put your feet on the ground, change your mindset, be okay with advice, and don't make it complicated. You know, one of the big ones I'm going to point on here first is change your mindset. What she writes here on here says, I feel almost as if I have to shed the above founder mentality in order to become the CEO of my own company. I have to stop patting myself on the back for starting something and see if I actually deserve to run it. Two totally different things. She's so right here. You know, just because you, you started the business and just because you got it going does not mean that you've earned the right to run this organization to the next level. Um, and many founders that I sit with and talk with about this topic have the hardest time to, to see this because, you know, when you're first starting out a business, you know, this is the business really becomes like one of your children. You know, I, I, I actually have a saying here in my our family, which is you know I tell everyone I say yeah I have I have four daughters you know which is I have my two daughters uh, four and nine months and then I have my wife's startup company Vive and we have also my consulting firm right so it's like we have four kids and each of those kids take a certain amount of care and love that we have to pay attention to them on and each one of those organizations really have a certain level of, you know, caring. Like I said, that we have to take two of them. But once you start scaling any one of those businesses, you know, so our two organizations that our family owns and operates, um, we, I, you know, the question has already come up is, do we have the right to run that business and not just run that business, but lead that organization to its ultimate place that we're trying to get it to go towards? The thing is, is to be a great entrepreneur right now. I'm not talking about just being a good entrepreneur, running a lifestyle business. I'm talking about being a great entrepreneur to be a great entrepreneur is to face that question and to be able to look in the mirror and really answer it truthfully. Because I will tell you in 90% of the cases that I have ran into with entrepreneurs that I work with 90% of the time that answer is no. It's not because the person doesn't have the want to do it. No that is that is totally not the truth. I mean there's every entrepreneur I've ever met has more want than any 20 people you'll ever meet. It's because they don't have the ability to do it. It's because they don't have the capability to understand that this organization and this brand, is a living, breathing thing that takes a certain kind of person to be able to now take and run with. And you have to be able to take the emotion out of it and really run it as the organization in which it is. Because when you're starting a business, you must be tied emotionally to this organization, to the organization, to the people, to the brand, to the your vendors that support you, to everything. Everything is part of your family. When you scale it, and when you now take those reins of the CEO and president, things change. Now, your role as CEO or president of your organization is to now be the visionary to look out to where your business is going, to set the tone to what every person in that organization is going to follow, to set the standard in which everyone is going to repeat to make sure that your business is getting to the goal and place that you want it to go to. And this is where, like I said, 90% of the uh, entrepreneurs I work with in those organizations, they just are not there. They want to run the day-to-day operations. They want to be a, you know, they want to be boots on the ground. They want to be right in the you know, thick of it. The problem is, is as a CEO and as a lead, you know, a top leader of your organization, at a certain point, you can no longer be there. It's important to always remember those days and continue to put your feet on the ground and continue to keep yourself grounded in reality and how this organization runs. But it's important to be able to raise above and to be able to look out and see what is to come. Um, there's a great analogy that I heard from a speaker that I, I, I know and love so much. He's actually one of my uh, mentors, I'd say, uh, from, you know, when I was first coming up, which is Jack Daly. And he told the story of... Um, there's three degrees of leaders, right? So your first degree of leaders, as I say, is the day-to-day leader, which is he is the person in the front of the pack. And if you think of this as a pack of guys having to go through a jungle, he's the guy right up front with his machete cutting through the forest and saying, okay, guys, this is the way we got to go and just cutting down weeds as we go. That's the first type of leader. The second degree of leaders, the guy who goes and says, you know, Hey, all of you men, keep cutting down. I'm going to go climb this tree and look to see, um, to make sure we're going just as far enough, you know, to make sure we're going in the right direction. That person who climbed the tree now can see and look out a little bit and say, okay, it looks like we, you know, the sun's setting in the East. We're heading West. We got to keep going West. So let's just keep going this way. You guys look like you're going the right way. The third degree leader. This is where we're getting to our CEO and the president's role, Right. This is the person who's stepping back behind everyone, maybe standing on a mountain miles back and looking around it and saying, hey guys, we don't need to go even through that forest. Listen, I see a little—I see a river that runs parallel to it, and we have boats with us. Let's get in those rafts. Let's take on, get on that uh, river. We can save ourselves the strength, and we're going to ride that river down for the next two miles. Hop off after those two miles, and uh, the enemy's about 10, 10 meters down the road from there. Saving our energy, saving our strength, and making sure that we can fight a better fight once we get to bring it to the enemy. That's the third degree of leader. And when a founder is taking on that responsibility, he needs to know, is he that level of leader? Or am I just the one who's going to be able to climb the tree and say, hey, troops, we're going in the right direction and keep going this right direction because instead of going in circles or even worse, am I the day to day who all I can see is what's in front of me and all I'm going to do is keep chopping those weeds and hoping and praying that I'm going the right direction to get myself to where I got to get going. This is the thing that entrepreneurs just—they cannot take a step back and self-realize onto themselves. And I'm personally guilty of this myself. I mean, I can tell you just for for fact that uh, my wife and I—we started an organization back in 2010, and this was a uh, brokerage firm for consulting deals and. When we first started the deal, or first, sorry, first started this firm, we just jumped in both feet and we we're like, ah, okay, we could do this, you know. Um, we both came from the call center industry. We uh, had owned a call center at one point in our time uh, life, and you know, we're like we can totally broker these deals. So we started the company, great brand, great website. Started actually getting um, some deals flowing through pretty quickly, but. In a relatively short matter of time, what we started realizing is, is we couldn't actually keep up with the flow of these deals coming in, and worse than that, we couldn't even keep up with the management of the vendors in which we sent to, uh, sold all these deals to. And in a retrospect, looking back on those days, right, and what was the failure, and what was the um, what was the kind of reason for that was because neither my wife or I. Had the ability as once we started to scale this organization, once we started to really start getting some revenues generating, to understand that we needed to rise up ourselves, right? Like, um, you know, it we weren't the right leaders for this business. We were great doers. You know, my wife, especially, and she was running 90% of this operation. She was amazing at making sure every day the day to day tasks that needed to be done, checking the leads. Touching base with the vendors, calling out to potential customers, closing these contracts—great at that. Amazing, actually. Um, you know, myself even. Right, I was—I kind of—I was doing this part time, so I was checking in on the books, making sure the company was, you know, heading in the right direction as far as marketing messaging, sales structure, commission structures, etc., going. And we were doing all that, but we were literally. Um, maybe, I mean, I guess you could say maybe stuff was a little bit better with me as, you know, she was probably the one climbing the tree, but I was a hundred percent when I had the time, I was just the guy cutting down the weeds is next and right in front of me and just hoping I was going the right direction with this business, making okay money, making decent money with it, but just really not setting ourselves up for scale. And sure enough, As soon as we got to that pivotal point where, you know, we were hoping this company could really start taking us in a different direction as a family, it just all started crashing in on us because we couldn't scale this business. We were not the right leaders to take this company to that next level. And this is just so critical for, you know, my entrepreneurs out there. You know, I don't care how big your organization is. You guys could be a 4,000 person company with multi, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue. It's always good to introspect and look at, your, look at yourself and look at your business and say, am I still the right person for this organization? And if you're not, be okay with that. Because guess what? there's maybe someone better to take this, you know, this, this child that you've created this thing that you've put together, and take it to that next level you're hoping for it to go to. And you know when we're talking about that, right? When we're talking about starting to get ready to scale our business, um, I found another article actually, uh, interesting enough, right? In in Entrepreneur magazine as well. Uh, this one was written by uh, Jason Demers. Um, actually, I've read a few of the, uh, his contributions. Really, kind of cool uh, stuff that he typically likes to add into this, um, you know, to this uh, publication. And one of his articles that he wrote, uh, wrote in here less than recently was five signs your startup is destined to fail. And while I was reading through this, I, I normally don't care for these five signs, 10 steps. I, I, I'm not a big fan of these articles normally, but this one was kind of cool because the points he makes in here, I, I, don't, I disagree with his title, to be honest with you, because I think this is really the five steps that your business is setting down for a bad path right? Um, I was in a medium-sized organization um, a while back. And I will—I remember advising the CEO of the organization. And we started talking about kind of where his vision was for this company. And he was the founder, too. I mean, he had founded the business years prior. And we just really started getting into this conversation. I'm like, okay, well, where are we trying to take this thing to? You know, are we are you still trying to grow it? You're starting to just get it to a point so we can sell this thing? Where are we going? And it was fascinating to me that you know, after all these years in business, he had no clue. You know, it was just, it was still at this like, you know, we're, you know, we just want to continue to make this money and, you know, trying to, he had an EBITDA number he was wanting to really get to and, but it wasn't to be sold. It it wasn't to go IPO. There was really no end game. It was just kind of just seemed like, you know, it was pretty much a lifestyle business, right? And this is kind of what he was hoping to achieve towards. And which is cool. I, I love lifestyle businesses, no, nothing against them whatsoever. But he didn't even really define that either. It wasn't the fact of, you know, hey, this is a lifestyle business. I need to make sure I'm pulling out of this thing, you know, two, three, four, five million a year. And if I'm doing that, I'm, you know, happy. And that's exactly what I'm trying to achieve. He didn't have an answer. And I, what we started to see in the business as we started to look through it and peel back the layers of the onion on this business is that. This business was actually starting to look more and more unhealthy, more unhealthy than he realized. And much of that was a direct result of the vision lacking for where the company was going because people just were like, what am I here for? And especially when we started looking at the younger generations like myself, right? The millennials, because millennials have been proven to found that they must feel that they are part of something bigger than themselves. And when you're in a business, especially a lifestyle business, right? So if you're a lifestyle business entrepreneur, perk up your ears right here because this is something important for you to note. If you're running a lifestyle business, you need to supply your team with a vision of this business that is bigger than themselves. Which means, though, that because it is a lifestyle business, this, is not mean, this usually means this is not a business that we are looking to take and scale at a massive scale. Instead, this is a business that we're usually trying to drive to a very specific revenue number. So us as the entrepreneur can get the money out of it that we want to live the lifestyle we want for the long haul. So when we run that type of company, it's critical that we build around us something that's larger than ourselves. This can be charity work. This can be a give back. This could be whatever. It, it, it literally could be anything, right? But it's so critical that you do this because otherwise what you're going to find is, is your employees are just going to start like not caring anymore. And in this article, this is some of the things that he brings, uh, that Jason brings up in here, which is uh, some of his points right here is this you haven't changed your original idea. Your employee turnover is high. Consumers aren't talking about your company. You don't really know how, uh, how you're doing and you haven't improved anything. I will tell you, so many organizations I've worked with, um, especially older organizations, you know, companies who've been around for 30, 40, 50 years, right? They just get stagnant and, you know, because they get to the certain point of success and it's like the entrepreneurial spirit is just drained out of the business and you walk into the corporate offices and you just feel it, you know, 30 seconds in, I can tell what kind of company I'm in because you're just like, oh, You guys haven't even probably gone out for a drink together in 20 years. Do you even know the person's name who's sitting next to you right now? Hi, this is Bob. Bob meets Sally. Sally, you've guys worked together for 11 years. Did you know? (laughs) And it's true. Like, it's crazy. I know it sounds insane, but you would not believe how many businesses I have personally walked in and literally seen this where the receptionist doesn't know a person who works 20 feet from her. And they've worked together for 10 plus years. I, like, mind-blowing, right? But it's just because the business hasn't stopped trying to innovate on itself. It got to this point of success. It's like, hey, we're making the money we want to make. We're seeing the dividends we want to see. Let's just stay in. Even, you know, even Steven, right? We don't want to, we don't want to grow much more. We don't want to shrink. We just want to stay right here, right in the sweet spot, good plateau. But what happens is because your employees don't understand that you start having issues. Employee turnover starts going up. People stop talking about your business. And ultimately the company takes a downward spin because I'm sorry, but in business, it's near impossible to stay at an even keel. Lifestyle businesses are doable, but for a lifestyle business to stay a lifestyle business, it must continue to grow at a certain pace. It doesn't need to be double digits, right? I mean, you could be working at two to three, four 5% growth every year, but it needs to be positive growth year over year because that's what's going to keep your team engaged. And then giving them that extra Right, that extra push, you know, push in the back to get them believing in the bigger goals and, and vision of this company. So, as I was saying, right, is which is how do we make sure as the leaders to ensure that we are the right person? Again, it's so much an introspect, but then it's also looking at the health of our organization because if we've come in and we've started to continue to you know lead this business. And all of a sudden, we're starting to see stagnation in the business. This is another indicator that, hey, maybe we were the leader for the last 10, 20 years, but maybe we're not the leader anymore. Or, hey, maybe we were the leader for the last six months, but not anymore. And then it's time to start looking outward and start to look for that person who's going to be able to carry this message forward. And make sure that our business is being said, uh, getting put into a place to where we can really see this organization go to where we want it to go. So when we're talking about that next piece, right. And we're talking about what do we do now, right? So if we find that we are not the person to continue to lead this business, how do we ensure that our vision and our, you know, ultimate goal for this company is, is reached and followed. What that begins a path of is actually where I am mostly um, pretty much brought into companies to start helping them with, which is documentation. Many, many, many entrepreneurs, and uh, me included, uh, I don't Can't say that I wasn't either. Um, You know, I started a business and I didn't document. Right? I mean, you just you start this company and you don't think about it. You just go day to day, and you, um, you know, and you might read an article like you. I saw an article in Inc. magazine actually just recently, which said you know the most successful people in the world never do to do list because. Uh, Instead, they actually just use their calendar actually instead, and they just schedule themselves out through the day because to-do list just makes them focus on the easy tasks first and leave the hardest tasks to last. I I couldn't agree so more. It's exactly. It just gave me another excuse not to do a to-do list basically. (laughs) But when we're starting to get ready for this transition, either to scale our business or that we come to this realization point that we as the founder can no longer lead our organization. What we need to now start doing is preparing. And where preparation start is from the beginning, is our culture and our brand. When you started this business, you started this business with an idea. And that idea now must transfer to a complete stranger. Or or maybe not, right? Maybe you have someone in your internal team, which is ideal, right? But it's very rare. Normally, it's a stranger. Normally, it's someone who you're going to bring in from the outside, you need to now set them up on a path to understanding how to carry your message forward that you started out with on this business. So, what I like to do with organizations is this. When I when I walk in, no matter what my engagement level is with an organization, the first thing I always ask those companies are is, "Okay, give me your culture and brand guide." And it's amazing to me, right? Like I sit in these meetings and sometimes this will be with, you know, the entire leadership or if it's a, uh, you know, single entrepreneur, maybe it'll be them and maybe two or three of their employees. And I ask for this, I'm like, so, okay, so do you guys have your culture and brand guide? And I love seeing their faces when they look at each other and like, and then they finally look back at me after like five minutes. They're like, okay, so what's a culture and brand guide? <laughs> it's like, I'm like, okay, well, let me explain this to you. So culture and brand guide, right? Culture guide specifically, let's start there. Culture guide is a complete document which details out verbatim exactly the culture in which we drive in this organization, from the grammar we use to the, um, you know, from the events we have to why we do, you know, why is our logo what it is, why is our colors what they are, um, everything, you know, why do are the titles like they are, how is the structure of the business set up, um, how do we interact with others, what things do we believe in, what things do we not believe in. All of that, right? Written out in long form for everyone to be able to consume. The best example I could ever point to you if you're looking for an example of this is is Zappos. Um, Zappos actually offers this to the public free of charge, which still blows my mind. But you can go to Zappos, um, request a copy of their culture book. Uh, I think they write it annually. It might be quarterly, but I believe it's annually. Um, Every year, they update this thing. And it is, I'm talking, like, this is not a small book, but it tells you from how to interact with your fellow employee, how to interact with the public at large, how to represent the Zappos brand. And it's everything about their culture that they want to make sure people understand and know. Amazing. Um, I mean, simply amazing. Amazing. So that's number one though, right, is getting to make sure that that culture that you really want to drive in your business is well documented and well put on paper. And I'll tell you, 98% of companies I've walked into do not have that. Um, it's always fun because they always look at their HR person and I'll ask them, I'm like, Oh, you don't have that. And they look at their HR person like, why don't we have that? And It's like, calm down. Don't kill that person. It's okay. Most businesses don't know to even ask to make sure this is documented and we just work on it, right? It takes usually about a few weeks to get it all put together, but once it's down, it's down and then you just continue to build on it and improve on it as we go. The second is the brand book. Similar to the culture book, the brand book is a document which literally details out every single tiny piece of your brand from your logo to your color palette to the words you use on you know in marketing and advertising to the words you use internally. So similar to culture book, there's can be some blending here. Um, it also talks about graphics and how to use graphics. It's, it's everything about your marketing and brand that you need documented. Uh, some people call these marketing guides as well. Um, these books should already be in existence. If your head of marketing does not have themselves a brand guide or a marketing plan that's documented to this degree, uh, if you'd like to see an example of this, please visit my website at bizsprints.com. Uh, look under uh, the section Our Work. And you'll see in there an actual copy of the one that I did for my wife, uh, for her company Vive. That is a great example of a good, solid uh, brand new book because it'll show you like, I mean, you can read through there and you'll see what's the mission, you know, what are we trying to achieve? What is the color palette? What's the logo? How do we use the logo? What's the colors of the logo? What's the size of the logo? How should it be? You know, what way should it be used? What variations can be used? All of these things. This is how a person knows how to. Use your brand. I mean, and especially me as a founder, if I'm about to tr- give over the reins to someone, I need to make sure I have this document so someone knows how to take my sweet child of my company and brand and carry it forward. And only when it's documented are they really going to be able to do that successfully. And this is more than just so you understand. Just be, Not not just because you're the founder going, you know, and stepping away and trying to give someone else a CEO role. Even your CMO, right, or VP of marketing, what if they got hit by a bus, right? Though that old pathology, right? It's just like, if that person got hit by a bus, is your brand well documented enough to be able to transfer to someone new? Similar, your head of HR, human relations, right? If that person got hit by a bus tomorrow, is your processes well documented enough to transition to someone else? If that answer is no, you need to improve that because that's what's going to allow for you as the founder to be able to have peace of mind to step away. Um, the next piece in this article, which I really wanted to talk through here as well, is that you know they start talking about customers aren't talking about our company anymore. Um, you know, and I see this so many times. You know, and uh, you know even to the point where I was saying it as far as how do we get ready to step away is is making sure that the you know your actual end customers. Are they still talking about your business? Are they still excited about what your company is doing for them and, you know, telling others about it? You know, are you still seeing referrals and are you still getting feedback and fostering, you know, input from your customers to iterate your brand and innovate inter- 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 your product and services? If not, there's a problem there. And that problem, you know, might be just because it could be through from your own stagnation, it could be from the business stagnation and just bringing in new blood may and may or may not fix that. And that's a critical piece to pay attention to there, which is new blood doesn't always fix everything. I see this a lot. Um, I'll walk into a business and we'll start figuring things out. And I'm just like, you know, listen, Mike, I'm, I'm tired. I just, I'm done. I, I just need someone else to come and run this thing for me. And I just want to, you know, basically collect a check. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, and we start digging through these things, but then we start finding these nastiness, right? Like, you know, the entrepreneur had no clue how his company was really doing anymore. He just had stepped aside long ago already. And, you know, and then we come to find out the CSAT scores, his customer satisfaction scores are, you know, horrible. And what I tell him is, though, is like, you know, I'll tell that person, I'm like, hey, listen, I know you want to step aside because you're tired, But you got to fix this before you can go because it's not fair to the person you're bringing on to leave them a mess. Because if you leave them a mess, all you're going to do is get a bigger mess. Because a new person coming into that, nine times out of ten, is not capable of dealing with that. Because A, they're going to end up resenting you. B, they're going to try to fix it in the best manner that they know how to fix it. And C, nine times out of ten, that way of fixing it? is not going to be conducive to how your brand and culture is set up because a lot of times it requires a stick and that stick is usually not a pretty thing so you know when we're going through this everyone you know, and we're talking through all these things about processes and you know and you know ensuring that our brand and messaging and that us as the founders can be set up for success for the long haul the thing here to, to make sure you're taking away from this week is guys is that it's important to make sure that your processes and your brand and your, and your culture is well documented. Um, if you could do that, you know, this week, really take a close look at that. Go into your HR department or go into the person who's running HR. Or if there's no one running HR, you know, just look at your own internal documentation and see, have you written down exactly the culture you wanted to build here in your organization? Is it, is it down on paper anywhere? do you have that written down as saying, hey, I want people to act and treat people like this. If not, get it written down. Your brand, if you don't have a degree, like again, this well, well written down as far as, hey, I want my brand to be depicted like this. I want my logo to look like this and all that. You should definitely either contact a company like myself or any other, you know, digital marketing or marketing firms as well, or consulting and advisory firms and get that thing down pat immediately. That is really going to be a big piece to your long-term success and scalability. So... If you guys can take care of that, focus on those two objects, uh, you're going to have a great week and really starting to help your business set up for long-term success. So everyone, again, thank you for your time here. To your success and prosperity, my name is Michael McMillan, and thank you for listening for another week of Biz Sprints. Look forward to chatting with you more soon. That will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thank you for listening to Biz Sprints Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us at bizsprints.com for more tips and tricks to drive your business forward. No doubt about it.